Hey, this is Devin Michael with the Higher Quality Podcast. Super excited to be interviewing you. So could you introduce yourself, your role in the company that you work at? My name is Wade Frenchville. I'm the founder of Harvest Solutions. We're the scientific staffing company based here in Indianapolis. I founded the company back in 2021 in July. And the reason we started the company is we felt very passionate about the type of quality clients within pharma and life sciences deserve. And we thought we could bring a different standard to the industry. What is top of mind for you as a talent leader at your organization? Right now, more than ever, I think retention is one of the most important things that I think about on a daily basis, not just internally, but from our clients. Whenever I started in the industry, you know, 10 plus years ago, retention was so important. And also looking at a person's job tenure was one of the most important things when you looked at a resume before you submitted it to your client. And if you had two jobs within the last five years, it was kind of bad. Now it's it's almost good. If you have two jobs in five years, that's considered great tenure. What is something you wish you knew about leading talent that you didn't know when you first started? I think whenever you're from the outside looking in or you're a new recruiter or maybe you've done it for a while and you want to go into a leadership role or a managerial role within this industry, I think you look at it and it seems like, well, that's the easy way. Or it's it'll get easier the further I move up from manager, director, VP, CEO. And if I could go back and just give myself a little bit of advice is that it's only going to get harder. If you're not always trying to equip yourself and get better and better at your craft, I think that you will struggle within a leadership role and start now, start learning, start getting better each and every day because this will only get more difficult, but it's a challenge that I welcome and I'm sure a lot of other people do. We made it to the last question and this one's a fun one. What is the worst question you've ever been asked in an interview? When everybody does an interview, Everyone likes a little small talk in the beginning and you usually get asked, oh, what's the weather like? Or is it a good day? Um, and I'm a pretty straight shooter. And towards the end of the interview, when I ask, hey, do you have any additional questions? And they ask, what are the hours? I very quickly know that this candidate might not be good for this role. What's up, everyone? This is Devin Michael, the host of the Higher Quality Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. You just heard my interview with Wade Franchville, founder and managing director of Harvest Solutions here in Indianapolis, Indiana. I am now joined with him live for a higher quality conversation. So, Wade, I'm going to undersell your intro. I know you do much more than founder and managing director. Why don't you tell the world about who you are and what you do um, so that they know you going in this conversation? Yeah, sounds good. I appreciate you having me. Um so I'm I'm a Indiana native. I grew up in Southern Indiana, super small town uh, close to Evansville. But I tripped into the recruitment industry, which I'm sure a lot of people did as well. But right out of college, I wanted to do sales, and I got a call from a, a massive staffing firm who said, "You know, this is a sales related position." I didn't know recruiting even existed. So, anyways, so on and so forth. Twelve years later, um, and we can talk more about you know those twelve years, but. I um, ended up starting up my own staffing firm, Harvest Solutions, and then very quickly, we were able to get some venture capitalist funding to really expand the company. So Harvest Solutions, we're a biotech a staffing company. So pharma, biotech, med device, we do some agri-science too, especially here in Indiana. I'm all about the old school hustle. 
We got an office now and we've been in operation for two years. We got an office of 25 people. We're still growing and we work in multiple states across the U.S. So awesome. Yeah. I would tell people like recruiting. It's uh, the reason why I like it is to like work. I mean, as a kid, you know, my parents said, if you work really hard for anything, you you know, you can get it. You just got to keep working. And so to make that my profession, I feel like it was a no brainer. That's awesome. So you said something in the in the interview that I thought was super interesting because, you know, I've worked with, I mean, I have a company of my own. So first of all, congratulations on building what you've built. Um, I've worked with staffing and I've worked with internal recruiting. Typically, I hear retention as a thing for internal recruiting, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a hot button topic. Like they're like, hey, we, we want to recruit people. We want them to stay. I don't hear it as often from staffing side. Not to yeah. say it doesn't matter. I just want to hear why that's the top of mind thing for you. Cause it's like some people listening could be like, Hey, as a staffing firm, you might love when retention is not great. Cause that means you're getting more and more opportunities to place people. But yeah. I guess give the perspective to, to someone who might be maybe a little confused on, on that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I mean, successful placements and we do a lot of contract, right? So mm-hmm. I want, I want retention for my contract staff too. So if I'm on, they're on a one year contract at one of our clients and they quit halfway through, I'm doing double the work to get a new person in to fulfill the 12 months. So that's why I think retention's important. But at the same time, from a recruiting perspective, or even if a company says I have a bunch of uh, openings because we're struggling with retention, that's going to make my job even harder because Mm -hmm. now with the way social media is, if you are a company with low retention, it's going to be even harder for me to recruit someone and go to your company if they're hearing that everyone's leaving. So, gotcha. and, but the thing why I think it's so important is, you know, what is good retention now? And I think that, you know, we said, we talked about that a little bit. Is it one year at one company? Is that good? And <laughs> it's hard to find people that are super reliable and, that and another thing too, I've noticed a trend just over my years of recruiting. If someone's with a company for a very long time and then they leave, it is like a very high likelihood that that next position they're going to quit real quick. And the reason why is because they were so used to a culture for so long, and then they switch to another, it's shock. And they and then they are like, "Oh wow, I didn't know there was so much difference in a company. I, I got to look again because I don't like this." So it t- mm. and then they start to become this jumpy person when in reality, like they do have, they just have a culture in mind that they didn't realize there was so much of a difference. But yeah, I mean, retention to me, I think is most important and something that I want our clients to win. Like yeah. I always tell our clients, if I, uh, if I do such a good job finding you the right people that you don't have to use me anymore because you're fully staffed and I did my job. But if we're finding you people and you continue to have attrition, then, you know, I'm not fulfilling on my commitment. So yeah, that's why retention is important to me. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that's, that makes total sense. And it's hard. I mean, do you see examples of where companies are just like, I guess, low hanging fruit where companies are getting it wrong right now, commonly where they could be improving on retention. It's a loaded question and it's hard. <laughs> no. So it's funny. We just ran this big report. So in my industry, especially in biotech and pharma, especially out in Massachusetts, we have a ton of people that are running reports on salary because there's over the last few years, you know, it's been all over the place. And 
jumped up, jumped down. Right now, it's like I feel like the trend is it's going back down a little bit. I said there's much more to that. Candidates care more about just the salary. So what is it? So we went through our whole database, ran a big survey, asked people, just please tell us what you want, what's most important. And like people care about the mission and vision of the company. And I think a lot of people think, well, if we retain people, I don't want to, I don't, yeah, we're going to pay retention bonuses. And I think retention bonuses, in my opinion, I'm not the biggest fan. And the reason why is it's almost like a mini golden handcuff. If you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So if they're staying for a small retention bonus and some people are like, well, we got to get the job done. So whatever we got to do to keep them, we'll do it. Where if we work on improving our, you know, our mission and vision and better communicating what benefits we have as a company outside of just compensation, I think you could really increase retention without spending more money. So the low hanging fruit or people are, you know, yeah. And I think candidates can feel that too. And if they know that they're here just to fill a spot, then they can be very easily leave to go fill another spot. So, right. I don't think yeah. I mean, yeah. it does. It's interesting. Cause it's like almost like uh, companies are paying for a vanity metric in a sense when they're giving, you know, giving money for people to stay is like, yeah, they're staying for the cash. Like, is that really what you want? You know, are you going to yeah, get your yeah. best output? And then people start to see maybe patterns too. It's like, oh, they give money every this this time of year, every year. So I just got to stay until then. Yeah, and I'm out. <laughs> so yeah, and there's one company. Yeah, there's one company. I don't work with them, but there's a very well known company out in Massachusetts right now that's paying a big pharma, and they're paying a lot of money for people. But then they're also doing a lot of layoffs. It's almost like we think or we're coming up with people are less reliable now or people are not loyal as what they used to be. And I just find that completely false. I think we've created it. We've created it by putting in retention bonuses. We've created it by companies that need people so bad right now that they're doubling what people sh like the actual skill sets getting paid. And then they're laying them off. And then they're going out in the job market saying, I need this much money. And nobody's willing to hire them because they can't afford it. It's almost like we've created it ourselves. The employers have created it. It's not a generation, you know, I think yeah. generation gaming is a waste of time, you know? So the people, the stuff that people used to say about millennials is now what they're saying about Gen Z right. and it's just going on and on and on. So at the end of the day, you know, I think we as a mass have created this uh, shortened job tenure trend. So gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's facts. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess tell us a little bit about the the kind of people, like the kind of um, candidates that you're typically after. Are you anything from you know a role might be super high volume, or is every role that you do pretty specialized? And we're finding them. It's hard well, to we, find them, hard to fill, kind of deal. We do we do a mix. I would say. You know, I've been talking a lot about Massachusetts. We do a lot of here in Indiana. And what we specialize in is scientific skill sets. And we tailor our our um, our focus and our recruitment efforts depending on the market. So here in Indiana, for instance, chemistry degrees are in high demand. And the reason why is because you have a variety of companies that do different things, but they need that chemistry background, chemical, you know, within a chemistry lab. So you have agriculture, you have food and beverage, you have pharmaceuticals, you have biotech, like you have all these different companies that are needing people with a chemistry background where in Massachusetts, you know, they do a lot of biotech manufacturing that are higher volume where they need people that have uh, GMP experience. So 
we will focus all our efforts on like particular skill sets or people that have particular um, expertise that is marketable to the masses. So sometimes we do get a particular position where it is extremely niche and there's only a handful of people that know how to do it. But I would say we, we operate in more of the mid level, you know, in between a blue collar, white collar scientific mm-hmm. role that would be our, our niche. Gotcha. Okay. That's a good spot to play in. I feel like it's like, you're not, or at least your team isn't like constantly feeling like there's literally nobody in existence that can fill this role. Yeah. Um, and I just like me personally, I'm just not a patient enough person to be like those uh, headhunters that work on jobs that take, you know, years to fill. Cause I yeah. do know there are some staffing firms that work on roles where, I mean, comp could be like two, two, three million. I mean, and it takes you a year to get someone. And um, I just don't have that patience. I wish I did. Yeah. But yeah. yeah I feel not me. <laughs> so, you get to work with companies um, multiple at a time. And mm-hmm. do you, when you go in and work with a company, are you strategizing on their process as well? Because I feel like, you know, if you're handing off talent, how far, I guess, do you get them all the way through hire? Or do you get them all the way to where it's like, hey, these are the people we suggest? Oh, no, we go all the way through hire. All the way through hire. Okay. So you control your process. Uh, we control our process on the front end. But okay. then once we get it to the point where, they are interviewing the candidate, you know, so they'll do their interviews with our, with the candidates. And then they'll call us and say, we liked, you know, we like Joe Schmo. We'd like to hire him. Uh, and then we offer Joe Schmo getting him in the door. Got it. But something that I think a lot of clients just, and I think it depends on the firm too, but um, I mean, we do so much before they even see the person. I mean, we do not ever submit anyone. It is an expectation on our team that when you send a candidate to one of our clients, that they accept the job. If they end up getting an interview and get offered, like they better accept. So all that goes on because we don't want to waste people's time, right? Like why submit right. someone that's not going to accept the role? So we do so much on the front end to even get to the point of them seeing the resume. And I think sometimes and maybe it's other companies or just, you know, things they've heard in the past where the people just throw resumes and hope something sticks. And uh, we try to avoid that at all costs. It's just not part of our process, but yeah. So are you typically working with companies that have internal teams, like recruiting teams well, already? Yeah, a lot of them already do. Yeah. Okay. Do, so don't. then are they giving you the, the rec by itself or are your candidates now going with against their candidates? And is there any other firms that they work with at the same time? Sometimes I, all three. Yeah. Gotcha. It, depends okay. on cool. it, it depends on it. Usually the bigger companies, uh, bigger clients. I mean, they do have more than one vendor. Sometimes we're the exclusive vendor. We do some creative delivery models as well, uh, where we're on a retainer for mm-hmm. a certain amount of positions. So we've gotten pretty creative with our solutions, but all of the above of what you said. Um, gotcha. But I think we, you were talking a little bit about the process though. The interview process. I think that is one thing that when you work with a client is the hardest thing to influence to change. You know, um, it's like, hey, this is how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure I qualify you guys. I mean, you're that too, <laughs> baby, right? You know, this is how we've yeah. always done it. We change. But sometimes, you know, everything we do on our front end to speed it up, if the process on the back end that's out of our control is slower, it does influence the outcome a ton. Right. So you the best process on the front end ever but you know yeah so 
we try to influence as much as possible to help us yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's hard. Like your position is probably way harder too. Cause it's like, for me, if they're buying my software, they've pretty much opted into we're changing <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. It's different, you know? And so when, I guess one question I have though, is like, as a leader in the space, as someone who spent a ton of time working in the space, which we'll come back to, I promise. Yeah. How do you make sure that your talent stands out? Like, what are you guys doing that's different to stand out against, you know, I'm sure there's big firms that play in, this, in that space and I'm sure you win a lot. So what are the things that help you guys position yourselves as the best? Yeah. So are you talking about when we send an actual candidate or we present a candidate or just yeah. why would they want to use us and not somebody like as a firm? More of the candidate side. Yeah. Like how you get the best talent to their door. So how we get the best talent to the door, we stay in our lane. So where I think a lot of people say they're niche and, um, Mm -hmm. and some are definitely, but the reason why we stay so niche is so that we can deliver quickly. So for instance, there's a lot of times we go up against agencies that we know aren't niches us and we will know before we even submit a candidate who's already been submitted, who they're submitting, when they spoke with them, because we're already talking to all of them. Like, mm. do you know what I'm saying? So like yeah. we've went into some client meetings before and said, and they're like, hey, we really need your help. We're really struggling to fill this position. And we've been able to go into meetings and say, yeah, I, I you know, I understand you might be struggling because I, I know you interviewed this person, this person, and this person. And they're like, how do you know that? It's like, because we've been talking to those candidates for the past two years and we just, we mm-hmm. know what they're looking for. We know their expertise. So what makes us stand out when we submit candidates, we submit them extremely quickly and we hit the mark the first time. So we understand the skill sets and we're recruiting them at all times. So we don't go mm-hmm. to a client and say, Hey, you should use us to fill an accountant. We actually would just say, that's not us. We turn that down. You know, we actually point them, you know, I refer them to other staffing companies that I think are really good in that space and say, you should call them. I think, so that's what makes us definitely different. Another thing too, though, most recently where we found like some big differentiators is just statistics behind our recruiting. So, you know, if we submit, you know, what's your submittal to hire ratio? What's your submittal to interview ratio? You know, what's your acceptance percentage? Like we ask our clients that, and that's where I think our biggest difference is. But so whenever we submit a candidate, we aren't just taking their resume that they gave us. Like we're actually talking to them through it and say, what experience do you have? And making sure we highlight the right stuff, because sometimes these are scientists. They don't, they're not professionals at resumes, you know? So we had to help them with that. We had to help them with their LinkedIn. We had to like go to bat for them and point out the right stuff. So I think, you know, talking around the money too. I think a lot of people, it's just a miscommunication a lot of times. Maybe right now, some states are regulating that you got to put job, like pay on job yep. posts. Um, and I think companies are open to paying more or less a lot of the times and candidates aren't submitting their resume because they see that job post. So we do a lot of outreach. We do very mm-hmm. little relying on job posts, we do more reaching out to people and understanding what they really want. And we always say like, before any of our recruiters submit a candidate, we always say, does it make sense? Like, Mm. does this make sense for this person's life? 
So whenever I submit a candidate, I'm not just saying, hey, they have the perfect experience for your role. We're saying, hey, so-and-so has always had a passion for this. He actually went to school at this place where he did a project on this. Also, oddly enough, you know, he grew up five miles from you guys and he's always heard about you, always wanted to work there. Like we put a personal touch to it. We make we make the placement make sense, not just gotcha. does the person match the job description. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so you guys are like truly candidate centric, like you're doing more than just getting them. We tell than- candidates. Yeah. We tell candidates no more than yes. Like every day gotcha. I bet you we say no to a hundred candidates every day. And Dang. you know, they're not, they're very thankful that we're being upfront with them and not giving them false hope. You know, we say, yeah. Hey, this, this doesn't make sense. Does it like this, the schedule? They're like, yeah, no, I just can't do that with my family. I'm like, all right, let's find something that does make sense. Not just match the job description. Right. You said something super insightful that I think applies to more than staffing, but I want to see how you think it could, um, how can be done? There it is. <laughs> how can be done by internal recruiting teams that are listening? So you said we're recruiting at all times. And so I think a lot of people are, if you open a role, that's when we start recruiting for it. You know, that's kind of the mindset of traditional recruiting. How do you practically think about recruiting at all times, even when there's not a role open for people you might be recruiting? Yeah. I mean, that's my number one thing that I train every single person in here. And it, like, so we go over this a lot to show some wins. I mean, for instance, um, we have, I think we have 30 people starting at different clients on Monday. So we have 30 people across the country starting at different clients, new jobs. And we go down all of them. We say like, when was the first time you spoke to this candidate? And it was like three months ago, one year ago, you know, all these candidates, we very, let me think about it. If you got a call today and they said, Hey, I have this position open. Are you interested? That's to me, it's like, ugh, it's a whole <laughs> life decision here. You're making me think about within a split second. But if you're like, Hey, what's going on, buddy? I've been talking to you for a while. How you been? I'm good. I know I've been trying to find you a job and guess what? I actually think I have one now. Instead of going like this, you're leaning in. You're like, Oh yes. The person I trust is coming to me with something they really want. Mm-hmm. And I think from an internal recruiting perspective, you can still do that. You can say, hey, we're a company that hires a lot of people with this skill set. Why don't we always be hiring at all times or always be interviewing at all times, understanding? And just be upfront with the candidate straight up. Just say, hey, I'm just letting you know I want to talk to you for future. Like just as long as you get there really quickly, it's good. Like don't lead them on and say, well, we might be hiring in a few months. Because I feel like I have heard a lot of people complain about that candidates wise. They're like, hey, I feel like people are just interviewing just to interview because mm. that's what they're trying to do is keep them on deck. But if they just yeah. hit them up real quickly and say, man, you're or, you know, your experience is amazing. Let's let's stay in contact. I think it could really help them. But that's what we teach. And that's what we're trying to get better and better at at all times is just building up those networks of candidates and building those long term relationships. So Yeah, I love it. I think that's like what everyone is after, but mm-hmm. hasn't tapped into. And, and I think, you know, with my specific, like who we would work yeah. with, it's like they're in the weeds every day and they're like, I don't have time to build relationships. And I'm like, well, then create the time because it's like literally the most important thing you could possibly have is like building relationships is the thing that's going to set you up for the future. I feel like a yeah. lot of recruiters are so focused on 
the here and here and now. And I resonate with that because I am one of those people I live in today quite often. But the reality is like, if you're going to get ahead next year, then you have to create space to build those long-term relationships because next year's pipeline is what you created today, essentially. Yeah, exactly. I I said this the other day, I had a recruiter. She was just beating herself up for like three weeks straight. And she was just almost in tears. Just like, I've been trying so hard. I've called so many people. I've done this, this, and this, and just struggling, struggling. And then it was like a couple of weeks ago, she was just like, offer, 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 acceptance, acceptance, acceptance. And she was like, this was the greatest week I've ever had in my career. And I go, no, the three weeks before, mm. why you had the greatest week today, you know? And she was just like, I didn't think about it that way. So the next time you're going through those struggles or where you can't find people, just remember that all those candidates that you are talking to, don't forget them because they're going to come back and so, yeah, you definitely got to build the networks. I mean, if we get a position in our core skill set, if we don't have it filled within hours, like we're surprised just because we're always trying to build those networks. With those right. Skills. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you're like quick is real. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I promise we'll come back to the journey. You spent substantial time at like names that I know really well, like yeah. Aerotech, like Beacon Hill. ProLink, yeah. like what most people start in staffing. I think that's true for a lot yeah. of recruiters. They're like, yeah, I cut, you know, I stuck my teeth in, in, in the staffing industry and then I went internal or <laughs> uh, went corporate. And so you continued. So let's talk about that first. Like what draws you, what drew you to continuous staffing? I know it can be challenging. It can be hard. You can have a lot of days like your recruiter that you just mentioned. What kept you there? That's the first question. I'm a very competitive person and I feel like staffing is super competitive just because we're not selling a different product. You know what I mean? Like I can't come to you and say my product has this feature that yours doesn't. What I can say is that, you know, our service and our team is better. So I feel like, and that's something where you have to build trust in a relationship with. And so I like the competitive aspect for sure. But yeah, when I started in staffing, like I said, I wanted originally when I came out of college to do business to business sales, but I love being able to work with multiple clients. I mean, mm-hmm. the stuff that the stuff that I've done as a small town kid in Indiana, I mean, I, I, I can say that I've worked with some really cool companies, you know what I mean? That um, in companies that everybody, I can, I can promise you, I have help people get jobs and are doing jobs that you're using products right now. I mean, like mm-hmm. I guarantee it, you, everyone in our office, or, you know, they utilized a diagnostics test or something that we had lab techs or chemists working on. And I just think that's really cool that I'm able to touch multiple aspects, but I also just feel like it, this is kind of like a personal thing, but I, you know, as a kid, you're always like, Hey, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be, you know, all these dreams, you know, I wanted to be a, I wanted to play basketball and, um, but I was never actually the best. Um, so, um, you know what I mean? I mean, I happened to not grow very much taller than most people. So that didn't help me out at all. here. (laughs) Don't let let this virtual room fool you. I also random, but you went to Indiana state, right? I did. I did. Yeah. You know, Aaron Carter, he played basketball probably in 2011, 2012. So he would have been there before me. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm a little younger. 
Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyways, um, he was on my high school team, but he played nice. in State. But um, anyways, I never thought I would, like I couldn't find something where I was like I could truly tell myself like, hey, I'm I think I'm actually potentially one of the best at this. You know, like I'm mm. I, it's something I'm really really good at. And at Aerotech, I felt like I I did pretty well there. You know, I and then. You know, I was like, well, maybe it's just a fluke. And then, you know, at Beacon Hill, I, I did pretty well there too. And I was like, all right, I think I'm, I think this is it. I think I'm really onto something here. Then, whenever we started Harba, now it's just like I got to prove to myself, you know, that I can do this. That's what I'm doing every day is trying to prove that. But yes, that I just I don't think I could ever go internal. I like fast paced. I mean, I, not that it's not internal isn't fast paced, but I like to go super fast. I like to work with multiple clients. I like the competitive atmosphere. I like solving problems. Sometimes just like hiring isn't just filling a position. It's a lot of times it's not like we're solving a problem. They have a project that comes up. We got to come through. We got to hit a deadline. I mean, it just keeps me young. Like I I love it. So that's why I would never went internal. Yeah. So what made you, you know, Harbor was founded in 2021, correctly or correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what was the like, what was the moment where you're like, Hey, I've done enough in other people's staffing firms where I want to try my own. Yeah. And tell me about the timing of, I mean, 2021 wasn't 2020, but it was close. Right. Tell me about like what was going through your mind day to day and like why, why you made the jump. This is an interesting story. So every, and you could probably say this too. Everybody's like, yeah, I want to start my own company, but like timing's not right. You know, like I got, you know, mm-hmm. this is that. And you would think as a single person making really good money, that would probably be a good time to take a chance. And I was actually, when that was happening, I, I didn't take the chance. I was like, well, timing's not right. Timing's not right. <laughs> then I just got married. I was building a house with my wife and my wife was pregnant. And that's when I started Harba. <laughs> the ultimate time not to start a company is whenever I decided to do it, but it was the best time because I, I had way more on the line than just mm-hmm. personal um, do it for myself or, you know, it was, uh, and I think my wife also, I mean, my wife, Megan, she, she was like, you have to do it. Like you have to. And I think she was the final push obviously for me to do it. But um, I think that I've always been the type of person that's like, what's next. Mm. And, I kept running into that a lot, you know, all right, cool. I hit this. Now what's the next promotion? Give it to me. Right. Or like, what do I got to do to get it? And I would hustle as hard as I can to get that one. And then I would say, okay. And then as soon as I get it, I would say, okay, what's next? I kept running into that. And I I was like, the only thing that's next is I got to start my own. So now I feel like what's next happens every day. Like there's no end. My wife and I were talking about last night. She was like, so, so where where are we going to go? Like, where's this going to go? And, (laughs) I just said more, <laughs> more. <laughs> like, I mean, we're like, you're like, well, when do we, it's, like, it doesn't stop. You know, we just keep going and going. And that's what I think I love about it. And that's why I did it. So. Gotcha. Did you see, I have a assumption in my brain, but I want to make sure it's correct. So did, did COVID help you all's business? It helped us take like, off. Sign? Okay. It helped us take off for sure. No, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It helped us take off. And like get into some, a few accounts that mm-hmm. we would always wanted to be in. But I think that, um, yeah, COVID helped. But at the same time, I think it, if you weren't careful about it, it probably would, would have hurt you. 
meaning like I'm sure other agencies went so far in on COVID that whenever it sprung back, you know, in nothing. last year, yeah. right. They, they didn't recover. So mm. um, yeah, it definitely helped us springboard. I mean, we had a huge success story off of that, that I think actually helped us get our feet off the ground. Yeah. Gotcha. Also it wasn't did. why though. Like, that's yeah. not why we've done science. So I was there before COVID even happened within this right. industry. But yeah, I mean, it was a big, I would say jolt of business, but then it sprung right back. Okay. I got you. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned earlier that you've raised funding to expand. And I feel like mm -hmm. that's actually abnormal. Like most of the time you hear VC funding, you hear it for companies like mine. Yeah. yeah. Tell me why you wanted that. Yeah. And how you were able to get that, I guess. Yeah. It's, a, it's so, interesting. Yeah, no. So we, um, I was introduced to the venture capitalist firm through a recruiter. So gotcha. VC firm is, it's out of London and it's called Tempting Ventures. And um, I was introduced because I was doing Harba. We, you know, I had, but I'd known of these different types. There's a few different ones that are in the UK because in the UK, I mean, staff and recruiting has been around for a long time and it's a very mature market. So there's a mm -hmm. lot of investors that only do staff and recruiting. This individual introduced me like I just I was like, hey, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm here at Harba. We're good to go. And but she was trying to talk about something else. She goes, hey, by the way, though, I do know an investor. Would you be interested and just talking to the guy and because he told me to keep an eye out for life science companies. And I was like, yeah, 100%. And I spoke with him and I just knew right away because I feel like going, getting investment or going into partnership with somebody, it's almost like a marriage, right? Like you got to trust mm -hmm. these people. I mean, this is, you're going to be probably working with them for a long time. And I, I mean, I couldn't be more happy. I mean, like the partnership that we have with them is, it's, it's unreal. And the reason why we did it is because I want to scale and I want to do this the right way. And I want to be really good. I don't, I don't want to be just average. And I think, you know, the technology we have, I mean, every big staff, our recruiters are equipped with more, like more technology and equipment than, and like subscriptions, you know, to all the different job boards than all the big staffing firms. Like we have so many resources Gotcha. So we are able to get people up and like moving faster. So I think that would be like, that's the reason why we did it. You know, mm -hmm. I couldn't have got here without them. Like that's, it's gotcha. not even, I wouldn't even gotten close because we also do contract and backing that book, you know, it's, it's expensive. So yeah. that's why I did it. And that's a major reason. I mean, we just have a really good partnership. We work really well together. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Super cool. Super cool. I just haven't heard of that story a lot. And so um, it's bigger in the UK. Gotcha. There are some here, but um, yeah, it's more common in the UK. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, sweet. We're going to move into the, the next segment of the okay. show, which is question of the week. It positions you as the first expert, but gives our audience the opportunity to also take part in an interview that you took, like, like you took a part of. So I'm going to ask you the question, you get first pass. And then for those that are listening, the link to answer uh, and give your best answer is in the description below. And if you win, quote unquote, you get a gift card from yours truly. So Wade, your question of the week is, 
What is one thing you wish every candidate understood about the recruiting process? Man, to, it's kind of funny and it's kind of very simple, but I wish every candidate knew how bad a missed call hurt. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> so like you say, hey, uh, you know, I'll call you tomorrow at this time. You know, recruiters, we also hang on your words as well. So I know there's a lot of recruiters in here that, you know, it's their job to get people in the door and get candidates because we make commitments to our clients. We say, we're going to have somebody by this time. You have this perfect candidate. And they say, I'm going to call you tomorrow at nine o'clock. That's what the candidate says to you. And they miss it. Right. And mm-hmm. not not intentionally. You know, they might call them back at nine fifteen. But um, I think every candidate to understand is, you know, this is our profession. There's a lot of pressure, especially, you know, within the staffing world. But you know, just being considerate about following through on your commitments, because that's our number one core value at Harba is to follow through on commitments. So we ask the same from our candidates. If I could say anything to candidates or ask anything, I'd be like, hey, follow through on your commitments. You know, if you, if you yeah. don't want it, just tell us. If you do, right. tell us and like, we're going to go all in and help you. Out. And I think it'd be a good partnership that way. So nice. pretty simple. Like that. but that's what I would yeah. love for them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it hurts yeah. them too. You know, it hurts mm-hmm. us and it hurts them. It reminds yeah. me of uh, Tim Sackett on LinkedIn. He makes this joke about like how many grandmas have died <laughs> through, because of the recruiting process. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, sorry, my grandma died. I had to miss the interview kind of thing. I was like, yeah, that's wild. Um, but See, yeah, that's what, no. That's what's crazy. Like, I'll tell you, people, I mean, I think a lot of people that meet me, they're like, man, you're really rigid. And I'm just like, well, if you heard the stories we hear on a daily mm. basis, I just don't believe a whole lot anymore, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, nine times out of 10, it's, it is a lie, but there is that one time where it's real. And I'm like, I can't do it though. You know, I can't, right. I can't believe it because 90% of the time it's usually not. So Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, wait, I appreciate your time. This has been great. And I know that the audience is going to want to connect with you. So how would you prefer people to keep up to date with you, with Harba and, and getting yeah. in touch? Yeah, I'm the only Wade French on LinkedIn. So you can hit <laughs> me up on LinkedIn. And then you can also email me. Uh, it's Wade at HarbaSolutions.com. So uh, awesome. yeah, happy to talk to anybody. I'm a big believer that any connection could lead somewhere. So I'm definitely not going to be the rude guy to ignore you. Like, we'll get back to you right away. So I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if you like what you heard today, make sure to hit the subscribe button and like this episode so you never miss a beat. And we'll be back with much more. And I appreciate your time. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. See you.